It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, before we get started, I just wanted to explain a few things quickly. This episode is hosted by Jack Tate, usually the co-host. We've done this a few times before when I've been unavailable, and this is one of those times. I'm now going to South America for a few months, but the relevant bits for anyone listening is that I'll be away until the end of the football season and back in the regular format um, for next season onwards. The Manchester United Weekly Podcast will continue um, and continue to flourish, and I'll still be on it as frequently as possible, sometimes in a normal, regular format sharing my views with Jack on and off in a, in a kind of normal conversation as we normally do and sometimes with a five minute clip speaking from some small town in Colombia, Bolivia or Argentina if I've managed to see the game and have some views on it that I want you to hit if I find any United fans in weird places or some weird things linked to Manchester United you can be sure I'll make something out of it that you can listen to as well so to keep updated with what I'm doing personally follow me on twitter at harry robinson 64 but most importantly keep listening to the manchester united weekly podcast that jack finally gets to say his views without me saying them first after stealing them off him so enjoy this show enjoy it for the rest of the season um and we'll be back to the most normal format um for the start of next season the next few months will be a, a little different each week but hopefully still just as good so enjoy hello and welcome to season four episode 31 of the manchester united weekly podcast and for the first time since season four, episode 18, two and a half months ago, we finally have a Manchester United Premier League loss to talk about here on the podcast. It's been a great run of 12 games unbeaten in the Premier League. And it finally came to an end with a pretty crushing 2-0 defeat against Arsenal at the Emirates on Sunday. Before we get into dissecting the game, just a quick note on what the podcast is going to look like in the next few weeks. You all just heard from, from Harry giving his little introduction, uh, explaining why he, how he's going to be going off to, to different parts of South America for the next couple of months. So the podcast will look a little bit different going forward. I will still be here. Don't worry about that. Um, but the podcast might be structured a, li- a little differently, uh, trying to get a few more guests on. There might be some episodes where it's myself on my own. Um, we might, I'm probably going to try and do a few more sections to get some new listeners on the podcast as well, maybe do some Q&A sessions, stuff like that. Um, so whatever it might look like, rest assured that we will still be playing out weekly episodes. They will still be coming at you every single week with the unique 
youth and loan roundup that I know all you guys love. So without further ado, let's get into the rest of this episode. Where are we talking about the Arsenal game? Obviously our first Premier League loss in two and a half months. Harry's got some of his thoughts because like the true United fan that he is, he spent his last days at home, not at home with his family, but rather screaming his head off in the away end at the Emirates. And we'll also be previewing this weekend's FA Cup quarterfinal against Wolves. Now, let's get on with reviewing uh, this weekend's Arsenal game. It was a pretty poor performance, actually, from, from United, I think, from, from start to finish. For the vast majority of the game, we were we were second best, uh, whatever it was, whether it was a hangover from all the celebrations in midweek, mid-week after the PSG game. Whatever happened, it was we just didn't look, like, look at our best all, all game. We were never quite firing on, on all cylinders. You know, we created a, a, enough good chances, I think, to, to potentially win the game. Obviously, Lukaku missed a, a couple of very good chances. You know, it, it's a tough one to, to kind of get your head around because you look at the, the highlights of the game and you look at the chances we had and, and you're kind of scratching your head as to how, how we didn't score and how we didn't get something out of the game. But to be perfectly honest, I don't think we really deserve to get anything out of the game. Uh, I don't think we, we played well enough for the vast majority of it, especially in midfield. We, we got dominated for, especially the first half, Arsenal came out playing so well. Uh, Jack and Ramsey just completely dominated, uh, you know, our, our midfield, who really didn't have much of a foothold in the game. It was unfortunate that Fred couldn't keep his, his good form going from uh, from midweek against PSG, where, you know, he had, without a doubt, his best game in a United shirt and unfortunately kind of reverted to his more standard performances for United. He was pretty uncomfortable on the ball. He looked like he was rushed a lot. And defensively, the game sort of bypassed him. I think midfield, for me, was really the area where we ended up losing the game. We didn't have enough control in midfield. We didn't get Pogba on the ball enough. Matic looked like he wasn't um, up to match speed yet. We, I mean, which is hardly surprising considering how long he's been out for. But in just in particular, I think the game really sort of bypassed Fred and Matic. who were in there to try and do some of that defensive work and just weren't able to do it. Arsenal were kind of running riot through midfield the, the whole of the first, especially the first half an hour, but really the whole first half. Uh, Ozil was getting on the ball far too much. There was the service into Aubameyang and Lacazette was far too easy. For once, Victor Lindelof had a very very poor game. I thought there was a lot of mistakes from him throughout the 90 minutes. You know he's been our, our rock at the back for for so long this season, and yet yes, on, on, on the weekend against Arsenal, it just everything seemed to seemed to go wrong at the back for us. Obviously the game started and Arsenal came. Th- you know, charging out the blocks. Um, the first five or ten minutes, we were on the back foot massively. You could barely even get a foothold in the game. Uh, and it, it was already running through midfield. You know, like I said, uh, Matic, Fred and Pogba were really, really struggling to contain Arsenal. We were trying to press them high, but it, it was sort of a, of a half-hearted press and it just meant that we left space in midfield because we weren't putting enough pressure on the ball to force mistakes. And then that just left massive holes in our midfield. Quite often there would be you know, 20 or 30 yards of space in the, in the middle of the park where Pogba, Rashford and Lukaku would be pushing forward trying to put the press on the Arsenal back line. But then the midfielders wouldn't go with them. And so that would just then just leave a massive amount of space for either Xhaka, Ramsey or Ozil to exploit. And, you know, these are, these are quality players and they're going to exploit that space when you give it to them. And there was a few chances in the first five or ten minutes. And then finally, Granite Xhaka obviously scores a quite ridiculous goal I'll talk about it a bit more in a, in a second. Obviously, a lot of debate about whether it was a mistake from De Gea or not. Um, the goal goes in and it, it, it was nothing less than Arsenal deserved, if we're being honest. You know, they played so well in that first 10 or 15 minutes. Credit to Emery, because I think he set his team up really well. Playing with two up front in Aubameyang and Lacazette caused us major, major issues. Our, our defence could not handle them all day. 
Um, and there was a few times in the first sort of 20 minutes when Arsenal had chances to go 2-0 up and we ended up being quite lucky to still be in the game after half an hour. Having said that, though, we did start coming back into the game. Sosho was, was quite proactive in trying to change the formation. Obviously, we switched after about 25, 30 minutes and it did help a little bit. We started to, to come into the game a little bit more. We, we were starting to create some chances. Obviously, Lukaku, to be fair, despite how badly we played in the first sort of half an hour, we did actually have a very, very good chance of Lukaku after about 10 minutes when he somehow managed to hit the bar from five yards out. It was a brilliant cross by Shaw. And that was just one of a number of, of really good opportunities that, you know, some bad luck didn't fall our way, but a lot of times just poor finishing with the, that Lukaku one. And then one in the second half, we got played in by Rashford and he had a one-on-one with Leno and he just fired it straight down, down the middle. There was obviously the, the Fred um, sort of 25-yarder that hit the outside of the post just so many things that you think could have gone differently on a, on a different day and made all of the difference in a game like this. There were just things that, that seemed to not go our way. But I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on sort of bad luck because at the end of the day, we, don't, we didn't, just didn't play well enough. You know, some of these days you, you create your own luck by, you know, getting into these positions enough, but we just didn't play well enough. Defensively, every single time Arsenal came forward, we looked like we were in trouble. Um, and to focus a little bit on, on Victor Lindelof, as I said before, it's probably the worst game he's played all season, potentially. Um, he just looked very, very nervous all day. I don't know if, if it was because of Aubameyang and Lacazette's pace and Lindelof and Smalling maybe worried about them running in behind. But whatever it was, they just looked extremely uncomfortable all day. And while we might be a little bit more used to seeing that from Chris Smalling, we're definitely not used to seeing that from Lindelof this season. And I think that had a massive effect on the rest of the team around him. There was one moment in particular, just after Arsenal scored their second goal, uh, it was a bouncing ball, very innocuous bouncing ball that Lindelof somehow managed to, to let over his head and Lacazette was still on goal and ended up dragging his shot wide. But that was kind of symptomatic of the mistakes that we were making all day and the way that our defence was just not, not playing up to the standards that it had been all season, uh, especially in the, in the last few weeks. You know, I, I've seen a lot of, articles since the game about um you know how how poor we were defensively and, and although that is true I don't think it's time to panic yet at all um you know it's still only one game and we've just come off a 12 game unbeaten run in, in the league so it's definitely not time for us to be be panicking at this point now let's move on to quickly talking about uh Arsenal's two goals and, and sort of my my feelings about both the goals uh obviously Jack's goal coming off about 15 minutes and I've seen that there's a lot of talk about whether this is a De Gea mistake or, or the ball moves a lot. And for me, it's massively a De Gea mistake. And that's not even me just saying that because we expect very high things of De Gea. I think some of the, the shots that he lets in that get called mistakes are only only mistakes for a goalkeeper of his standard. But for me, this was a massive, massive error from him. You know, the the ball moves, but it doesn't... It, it's not like it's flying into the opposite corner and then moves the other way. It was initially coming pretty much straight at the Gea and he takes a massive step to his left, which then obviously leaves him unable to, to get back to the right-hand side of the goal where the ball ends up. It was just a really strange movement uh, that he did at first. And I, I really don't don't understand how he managed to get it so wrong. It wasn't like the ball had any had any movement. You wouldn't really expect it. Expect on it. Jack had cut across the ball and you would expect it to, to move that way in the air. It was it's a really, really strange sort of passage of play from De Gea. And he, he looked a little bit nervous all game. Honestly, some of his kicking wasn't great. Um, and even against PSG, we saw some nervy moments for, from him as well. You know, I remember after Rashford scored the penalty and 
there was a, a ball sort of uh, just coming towards him right at the end of the game and he comes out and punches it in a really sort of odd, very uncomfortable way. So I don't really know if anything's going on there. I don't think he, he's been up to his usual standards this season, for, for the whole season, to be fair. Um, but hopefully this isn't anything to be concerned about. I don't think it is. You know, it's not like he, he's become a, a terrible goalkeeper. He just maybe hasn't been pulling off some of the saves that we, that we would expect from him. But I think this this Xhaka goal was, was a massive, massive error. And I, personally, I don't really see any, any debate about that. I think this is 100% on De Gea. Having said that, um, the midfield, again, have a lot to answer for in the build-up to this goal because Matic and Fred give Xhaka way too much time on the ball before he gets his shot away. Xhaka has about five yards of space in front of him and about 30 yards from our goal, and that's just is something that can never happen. Matic was just sort of ambling towards him. Fred decides to, to stand still, trying to block the shot, I think, even though he wasn't even in line with the goal from, from where he was. It was just a, an awful passenger play all around from, from all of us. And this was sort of right in the period of Arsenal's dominance where they were just overrunning us in, in all areas of the pitch, pretty much. And that, that kind of summed it up. It was, it was good play by Arsenal. It was a decent hit by Xhaka, but it was completely avoidable from our, from our end. And then to move on to Arsenal's second goal, I mean, firstly, just to get this out of the way, I don't think it was ever a penalty. I think John Moss has, has made a big mistake there. There was no contact from Fred on Lacazette. It, I mean, to be fair to John Moss, in real time, it did look like it could have been, could have been a penalty. It looked like Fred may have tripped Lacazette. But there was no contact there and Lacazette goes down far too easily. Um, it was It's just such a frustrating decision because it came at a time in the game when we were really starting to gain a foothold. We'd come out and started playing really, really well in the second half. Lukaku had just had that big chance where he missed the one-on-one with Leno. And, you know, we were really starting to come into the game and starting to actually dominate Arsenal. And that just came at such a crucial time. It killed all of our momentum. It really killed the game off for Arsenal. And, it's so frustrating to have, you know, a, a decision that ended up being a poor decision kind of disrupt the game like that. But having said that, we really can't complain that much after, I think, getting very lucky in midweek with the VAR decision. Uh, I don't like to spend my time criticising referees. Uh, it's a really tough job. I'm a referee in real life and I and I know how hard it can be. But when when stuff like that goes against you, it, it is very, very frustrating. I was actually watching um, watching the the match on a plane. Somehow the plane that I was on managed to get live TV, and I could I was watching the game um, about thirty seven thousand feet over the Atlantic, and the person next to me was thought I was absolutely crazy because as as the game kept going on, I was just kept getting more and more angry, and as when that penalty decision was made, I was just so so frustrated because I really thought we were getting back into the game, and I really thought we were, we were going to be able to maybe not win the game, but at least get a point out of it and, and maintain that unbeaten run. You know, we've seen us come back so many times from being down under Solskjaer. And I really thought that this might be another repeat of that. Uh, but obviously, unfortunately, we weren't able to, to kind of capitalise on, on the dominance that we were starting to put in. I think one of the other, the other disappointing factors from this game is how little influence Pogba had, had on the game. Uh, you know, obviously coming off the high of, of PSG where he wasn't involved, you thought this might be a, a game where Pogba could kind of prove his worth to the team after not being involved, but he really wasn't wasn't involved in the game enough. He very very rarely managed to get on the ball. I mean, there were there were a few times where he got on the ball where you know you saw the quality that he has. The one that comes to mind is in the first half when we had some great play um, down the left, and it comes to Pogba and he swings a, a 50 yard beauty of a pass to Lukaku over, over the top with his left foot. And it ends up with Lukaku releasing Dalo and Jack again back to make a good tackle to break up the attack. 
So that was really one of the very few moments in the game where, where Pogba had a real influence and he was very, very quiet throughout the game. You know, it, it's been a little bit tough for him, I guess, with, with the suspension in, in the Champions League. But he in games like this, this is sort of the one issue that we've always had with Pogba. And, you know, we, we've been two of his biggest cheerleaders on this podcast. You know, we, we, everyone knows how much we, we love watching him play. But the one the real, real legitimate sort of criticism you can have of him since he's come to United is his performances in big games. And, and this was another disappointing performance, unfortunately. Um, and it's one that, you know, came at a really bad time for us because we needed our leaders to step up when we needed them against Arsenal and he just really didn't. Of course, it, it's massively disappointing to have this loss. You know, we've been playing so well recently and thought we'd have all the momentum coming off the PSG game. But I think we, we also do need to have a bit of perspective. You know, I've seen so many people really up in arms about defeat and, you know, sort of reverting to type of, um, you know, Lindelof shit, by uh, Smalling shit. You know, th- these players shouldn't play, this player shouldn't play. And, you know, you've got to remember, we haven't lost in the league in two and a half months. So it, it's the I'm recording this on the 12th of March and this is the first time we've lost in the league in 2019. You know, if, if you'd have gone back to the day after Mourinho was sacked and offered this position to anyone you would have absolutely bitten their hand off for it. And so we do need to keep some perspective here. Yes, it's a disappointing result. Yes, we need to improve our results against the top teams because even though we've had some good results since Solskjaer came in, two of them have been in the FA Cup against Arsenal and Chelsea. And we do need to pick up more points against the other top six teams. But at the end of the day, we need to keep some perspective. You know, we have played so well under Solskjaer and it almost seems like people were expecting us to never lose under him. And that's just not the case. You know, it was inevitable that we were going to lose games eventually. And now the challenge is how we come back from it, how we bounce back from it. We did that really well after following the PSG defeat in the Champions League. And now we need to do that again. Obviously, we have Wolves coming up at the weekend, which I'll get to in just a bit. It's, it's really important that we as United fans just keep a little bit of perspective about what's going on at the moment. You know, we're not in dire straits. One game does not constitute a crisis by any means. All we need to do now is pick ourselves up and get back to it and, and show that we are a good side and come back from this disappointing result. That, so that's my thoughts on the United-Arsenal game. Uh, as I said at the start, Harry was actually at the Emirates uh, in the away end for the game. So let's hear what he, his thoughts were directly after the game as he left a rain-soaked Emirates stadium. Standing outside the away end of the Emirates, just on the cover, it's pouring on another level. Um, and United's... Amazing run has come to a, a bit of a rain-soaked end. Uh, but the key thing I tweeted straight after the game is um, I've just come out, I'm about 10 yards outside the exit to the away end, and yet, as we walked out, as the game finished, United fans soaked their skin, still singing all those at the wheel. Now, today was shit. Uh, pretty much everyone was pretty poor. Our defence looked shaky. The whole team looked shaky, didn't really do much obviously we hit the post twice and we had a few good chances in the first half but United were really poor but the, the key thing is that United fans came out of today still positive and that's amazing we've just lost 2-0 at Arsenal which has been outclassed to be honest and um, still positive and United fans well certainly I always believe that we somehow might not get back into it until the end of the game because of Wednesday night against PSG in Paris and that's the that's the big thing of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. So, first loss in the Premier League in March. He took over in December. So, uh, I mean, 
it's been incredible and it had to come on a, to an end somewhere. It has. We move on. We try to beat Wolves in the FA Cup. We try to get to the semi-final and progress in the tournament. We're only three points off top four now, so we're still in it. And just the fact that we are in it, in the top four race, given where we were, is incredible. So, I mean, it's, it's 15 minutes since the game ended and I'm already, I'm already kind of positive. Whereas some defeats would just be truly gutting. But after Wednesday night, that's a... I mean, I can live off the high of Wednesday night for a long, long time. Um, so Wolves, and then I think it's international break, and the United have another tough one of fixture. So I was hoping we beat Wolves. Today was disappointing, but that's what happens sometimes. You lose some games, and it took us three months to lose in the league under Oligan Solskjaer, so that'll do. It is absolutely soaking, and it has been for the last hour or so, so now I'm going to have to brave it step six yards out into the rain and try to bustle my way over the bridge to Drayton Park also just to add I stopped recording I was about to step out into the rain and I thought you know what I'll stay hiding in here but Mason Groom had come on another positive and I thought he did it he actually did pretty well um, created a bit looked composed was impressed with him and just so so excited to see 17 year old Mason Greenwood making his Premier League debut and it was a fantastic moment in a rather terrible match but there we go um, so yeah another piece of good news and with that I'm done talking about the disappointing Arsenal game and let's move on to the youth loan and women's roundup. So there was just one game for United's youth teams this, this weekend as the under-23 played against Sunderland. It was actually a very, very young under-23 side as so many of the, of the regulars were, at, were obviously in first-team action, both against PSG and against Arsenal. Uh, the likes of Mason Greenwood, Heath Chong, James Garner, Angel Gomez, Brandon Williams were all in the squads uh, for the PSG game and were not considered by Ricky Sprager for the game on Friday night. So the under-23s drew 1-1 against Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. Uh, United actually went behind in the first half and ended up pulling the game back with a goal in the last 10 minutes from Largi Ramazzani's, and it was his first goal in the under-23s. It was a very, very young team uh, with a midfield trio that was entirely made up of players that were actually in the under-18s. It was a very proud moment for a lot of those players. Uh, Ricky Sprager's team did really, really well to deal with the lack of availability and still come out with a decent result against Sunderland. There was no game for the under-18s this weekend, uh, but the United women's team did play and they absolutely thumped Leicester City 6-1 in their game in the women's championship. United are now just two points behind league leaders Tottenham and they have a game in hand uh, also into the quarterfinals of the Women's FA Cup. And so in their first season back for uh, for a long, long time, United women's team is doing really, really well. You know, all signs of points to really good progress and hopefully they can end up winning the league and go on a good run in the FA Cup, which would represent a really, really good start for United's women, women's side this season. Now, in loan news, there wasn't actually too much action for United's loan players this weekend, as the only two players involved in their team's games were Joel Pereira and James Wilson. Pereira was an unused sub against uh, Anderlecht for Korczyk. I probably pronounced that completely wrong, as they lost 2-0 against Anderlecht. And James Wilson actually started the game for Aberdeen before getting taken off in the second half. As they drew nil-nil with Celtic, a pretty decent result there for Aberdeen. And Wilson continues to play pretty well up in Scotland. Uh, he's been in good form for Aberdeen and, by all accounts, played pretty well against Celtic at the weekend as well. Now, to finish off the episode, let's talk about the game against Wolves this weekend. Obviously, in the FA Cup quarterfinal, 
a massive game, massive, massive game for United. It seems like there's massive games every single week at the moment. Uh, that's kind of what you get at this start, at this stage of the season. And it's usually a good sign if there are so many big games because it means that you're kind of playing for something in the league and you're sort of getting towards the back end of some of the more important competitions. And this game is, is huge for us for a number of reasons. Obviously, first and foremost, about getting through to the next round of the FA Cup. Probably still represents our best chance of, of winning some silverware this season. Obviously, now we are still in the Champions League, but still long shots to, to kind of do anything in that competition. The FA Cup does definitely represent our best shot at trying to win a trophy. And I think that would really cap off such a great second half of the season. If we can carry on this form and win a trophy, that would, one, probably guarantee, if he hasn't already, Solskjaer getting the job. Uh, and two, it would just be a really nice way to kind of cap off what has been, so far anyway, a great second half to our season. Obviously, now it's going to be a tough game against Wolves, um, playing so, so well this season. They're, without a doubt, the best promoted team that I can remember. Um, you know, they're, they're playing some great football, going toe-to-toe with so many of the big teams currently sitting in seventh. Um, and, and really do look like best of the rest sort of outside that top six. Massive credit has to go to Nuno for the way he's managed to set Wolves up this season. In so many different games, they've played so many different styles and yet always seem to come out with a, with a good result. And going to Molyneux is not going to be an easy game at all. I'm actually quite nervous for the game. I'm not going to lie. I think this is probably one of the most the games I'm most nervous for outside of playing a top six side for a long, long time. I think that's a combination of how badly I think we need to win, how badly we need to get through this round of the FA Cup to bounce bounce back from the Arsenal game. But it's also credit to to Wolves and Nuno and what they've managed to achieve this season because they are one of the best sides I've seen outside of the top six in the Premier League for quite a few years. You know, we've had some some good Everton sides in in recent years, but I think Wolves are, are playing probably at a level above most of those teams as well. They play some really nice football. They're solid defensively. And going forward, Jimenez is in great form. We'll see Ruben Neves, Jao Martinho. That is a, just a, a brilliant midfield partnership in there as well. It's going to be a tough game. We, you know, we saw Wolves obviously knock out, fantastically knock out Liverpool earlier in the season. Um, and hopefully we won't, we won't suffer the same fate. But I think it's going to be a really, really open game. I think both teams are just going to go for it. Obviously, being in a cup competition, neither of us have anything to lose at all. Especially now with no replays at this stage of the FA Cup too. It means, you know, teams don't really have to worry so much about extra games. I think both teams will just go out and try and play their football. I'm expecting us to try and hit Wolves on the counter-attack quite a lot. I think the biggest decision that Solskjaer has to make this week is what he does with a lot of the players returning from injury. Obviously, we had Matic starting at the weekend, Martial coming on in the second half. I didn't think Matic looked like he was up to up to speed. He didn't look like he was match fit to me. He wasn't as effective as, as he was before injury. And while that's you know to be expected as he comes back from injury, I don't know if he if the form he's in is good enough to warrant starting the game, especially with how well Scott McTominay has played in his absence. Um, although we could see potentially McTominay coming in for Fred after his pretty poor performance against Arsenal, and uh, maybe McTominay and Matic playing alongside Pogba in midfield, which wouldn't surprise me. But I think the bigger decision that Solskjaer has to make is whether he brings Martial back in. We saw him come on against Arsenal. He, he did okay. Didn't see too much of the ball. But I think that's a really big decision because do you go back to sort of playing a front three with, with Rashford through the middle, maybe shift Lukaku out wide to the right and revert back to the sort of style that was that was working during the first few weeks of, of Solskjaer's time as manager? Or do you stick with what's been working more recently with Lukaku and Rashford up front and either a 3-5-2 or a 4-4-2 with a diamond in midfield? 
because the problem with that formation for us at the moment is that it probably means that Martial won't start. There just isn't really a place for him in that formation, assuming that both Rashford and Lukaku will start. You know, Martial can't really play as a wing-back in a 3-5-2. He just, obviously, you know, defending isn't his game and it would be pretty unfair to ask him to play there. And he, I don't think he's really the kind of player that could play at the tip of the diamond either uh, if we did go with 4-4-2. So I think I'd be really, really interested to see what Solskjaer does. Some big decisions for him to make. It wouldn't surprise me to see us revert back to a 4-3-3, try and go back to basics of, of what was working, you know, in the first sort of month and a half of, of Solskjaer's time as manager, and then see Martial on the left, Rashford through the middle, and Lukaku on the right, as we saw, kind of kind of in a similar thing to what we saw against Arsenal in the FA Cup. But I think it'll be a really interesting game. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game, but, but pretty open. I think both teams are really going to open themselves up and, and just go for it. It's probably one of those games where both sides come into it feeling pretty confident about their chances. I think both teams will look at the other defence and think they have a very, very good opportunity to create a lot of chances and to really to really kind of go at the other team because although our defence has improved under Solskjaer, it's still not amazing. Wolves have conceded some goals this season that you probably wouldn't expect a team in seventh to be conceding. And with the players that we have and the form that we've been in, you know, against any defence, we'll back ourselves to create chances and score goals. So I think it'd be a really interesting game to give my prediction, I will go for a 2-1 United win, but only after extra time. I think it's going to be really, really tight. And if we are going to come out come out of this game with a win, I don't think it's going to be a comfortable victory at all. I think Wolves are really going to make us work for it, uh, and as they should. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm very, very excited. I can't wait. And hopefully, we'll be playing our next game in the FA Cup at Wembley in the semi-finals. So with that, that is all we have time for on this episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. As I said, I'm sorry it's a little bit strange. Uh, the structure might be a little bit up in the air for the next few weeks as we try and figure out the best way to go forward. There'll probably be random clips of, of Harry here and there talking to us from random places within South America if he uh, manages to find any good stories or get some decent Wi-Fi to actually send me things. If any of you have any ideas of, of new segments you might want to see, you know, I'm obviously going to be doing quite a few of these on my own probably. So if any of you are interested in you know, doing any segments like a Q&A or anything that you think I could do, please let me know. Um, I will try and get some guests on as, as much as I can, either other United fans or fans of whoever we're playing on any week to try and just make make sure it's not you just hearing my monotonous voice uh, every, every episode. But like I said at the start, rest assured, we will still have episodes every single week with probably myself, hopefully a guest and, and random little snips of, of Harry here and there. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for the support recently as well, obviously. With United doing so, so well, we've had so many listens in the last few weeks and made it very high in the iTunes charts last week. So thank you so much to all of you for all of your support. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you can. It really does help um, both with kind of getting the word out about us and, and telling us how we can improve and, and make this podcast better for each and every one of you. We really appreciate all your support. With that, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. You can follow myself on Twitter at UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the week and let's hope next time I speak to you we will be looking forward to an FA Cup semi-final.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.